you are listening to Anchor FM, right? This is Twisted, an SVU podcast. This is BD Rose, or or not BD Wong, all right? So, and um, listen, welcome to my show. How's everybody doing? I just want to say thank you, ladies, you know, who out there who was uh, listening in and supporting and stuff like that, though. Even though I'm a ladies man myself. Well, oh, actually, you could call me a ladies man myself in the making. I mean, I'm not like um, that um, guy from SNL. What's his name? Tim Meadows? No, I ain't like that. So besides that, though, I am a bit more smoother, though. Like smooth, like creamy peanut butter with, you know, it's creamy almond butter. It's better yet, though. I like chocolate almond butter. You remember, have you ever got, um, you ever go to the store, you find, um, I think it was, uh, I forgot the name of it. I think it was, um, Austin's peanut butter or something. Well, they got different flavors, like Austin's almond butter. Chocolate almond butter, I know. I'm even though I haven't had those in a while, but you know they sell a little bit expensive, like ten dollars and all that stuff. So I have probably, hopefully, some sometimes this week I'll go and get it again. Though, oh yeah. By the way, um, did you watch Law and Order: Organized Crime the other night? If you, I think it was on Thursday night. It goes to show you that Sabler is, I mean, he's into Mr. Wheatley big time. I mean, Mr. Wheatley set up his little um, thing on the computer, something like that, like um, currency and all this. Um, I think it was, um, I forgot what it was. I think it was like this um, storage, just computer stuff like that, like all this technology and the COVID-19 vaccines and all stuff. It's like cryptocurrency in other words. And all of a sudden he gets it. Wheatley opened up his laptop and his wife is there and they see the cryptocurrency and all that stuff being set up. And guess what? Sabler interrupts him breaking the camera and you're looking and then Sabler breaking, breaking the stuff and then Sabler looks into the camera like breaking the fourth wall telling Wheatley that I got you and Wheatley got mad about that. He throws his laptop on the floor. And it was to me, I was laughing at that though. Because I think it was funny. But however, Wheatley is one step ahead of Stabler. So they go to this event. And then, I mean, and there was the COVID night, people taking them COVID 19 shots, which I don't like and I don't want to do. But Wheatley is one step ahead of Stabler. But however, you know, you got this undercover chick right there, you know, the white girl with the blonde hair. She's like a mole for the organized crime unit or maybe some undercover stuff like that, though. And she's going into Wheatley and Mr. Wheatley and all that stuff. And um, she's trying to, and you know, Wheatley's son is trying to get close to her and all that. And all that. And next thing you know, a fight breaks out. And next thing you know is that the Mr. Wheatley's like bodyguard or something like that. He tries to uh, get away because he's planning to leave town. But Stabler and his crew, though, they stopped him. And that was the end of the episode. I mean, and you know what's good about Organized Crime on the third episode is that Stabler and Bell are becoming like partners. You know, I mean, they tried. I mean, 
I mean, they, I mean, I don't know if they're feeling each other, but um, they've um, they they have a like begin. It's the beginning of a working relationship. And you should check out Sergeant Bell. Oh, she's a lesbian. Excuse me. Excuse me. I mean, a volcano have erupted or something like that in my mouth. So you, I was saying, Sergeant Bell is a lesbian, man. I mean, in the beginning, during in the beginning of the show, she was in bed with another woman, and her girl is pregnant. I don't know how she how she got pregnant. Maybe it's in each fertilization and some shit, you know. And um, that was like a surprise. I mean, we had to dig into Sergeant Bell's private life. I mean, black uh, woman and a lesbian, though. Well, I got a confession to make. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying that I don't, um, I got it a bit though, I mean, I, I be looking at women having sex, even though, I mean, I mean, we men like to see that though, I mean, I mean, it turns me on, since I have some, some religious issues, you know, I mean, I, be, I was like, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about it, you know, I mean, I just, that's that, um, I don't support it, but I mean we're men and, and we weak and then we like to see women, you know, with the with the tits and tits and pussies and all that stuff. I mean, excuse me, a lot of men like us, we like to see women making out and all that stuff. I know. I mean, I know it's tempting and all this stuff. But I gotta admit though. You gotta admit that that probably turned me on, you know. So, you know, I know thing. I mean, that thing just got my uh, dick hard. Excuse my language, but I mean, two women, you know, doing having sensual and stuff like that, you know. I mean, it's like a turn on to me, but I'm trying to refrain from that. So, but we men, I mean, what are we going to do? Alright, so, um, and I also got some good news for me. I finally got a new job. Yeah, that's right, I got a new job. And it's, um, I, go, I was laid off because of the, the COVID-19, you know, the pandemic. So, I remember last year I was working part-time at a, at a college. Um, I'm going to give you the college. I think it was... John Jay College. I was working part time as a custodian, and um, all of a sudden, a student came here with the coronavirus and infected another student. And then they they sent us home and they shut the school down. And I had a meeting with my colleagues that we're going to be working remotely. So, in other words, so we get when I got paid at home. You know, I showed up one day to work eight hours, and then. They'd have a cycle where like one or two people would come in and all that stuff. So that happened. And then and I was working from home. And then a couple of months later, I got news that I got laid off. Yeah, I got laid off because due to COVID. And I'm not the only one that got laid off. If you got laid off with COVID, just leave me your thoughts. All right. But however, you know, I mean, I, I didn't sweat it, you know, I mean, I had to get unemployment, so, 
you know, you know, we all got our stimulus package and all that stuff. So hopefully, you know, it's a blessing. You know, it's probably a blessing from the most high. So all praises. But it's also a blessing that I'm um, going back to work again. You no, know, I'm just gonna just take it easy and just keep it to myself and just just work hard. I mean, as I'm working hard with this podcast, Nate. So <coughs> I'm right here chilling in my bed. You know, I'm gonna start my start job tomorrow. I'm not gonna brag about it and all that stuff. So. It's, it, you know, it's like, and Run DMC says, like that is that's the way it is. But you know, you know, sometimes when people when they lose their jobs, though, they get stressed and then they have like mental issues. Let's give me for a moment. So there was this guy, right? Um, killed like eight people after he got laid off. He got fired from his job last year. It was in the news. I mean, it happened in Indianapolis. I mean, the guy went crazy. It's like or the mass shooting. And he murdered eight people in a mass shooting before killing himself. And I seen the picture of him. I mean, he's like 19 years old, skinny, and his eyes were like all jacked up. I mean, look like a damn redneck, man. But 19 years old, you got laid off from your job, and um, and and a year ago, and then you start, you just felt depressed and mad about it, and then you start shooting up people. That's crazy, though. But I mean, when people when they have no jobs, though, they have these mental issues and they get violent and irritable and all that. But here's a solution: have have faith in the Most High. Read the Bible, right? Try to do something creative that makes you happy, right? Don't feel depressed. I mean, it's not your fault that you lose a job. I mean, America is like going down the toilet, though. I'm not gonna, so I'm not gonna go again into it. So all you gotta do is just have faith in the Lord and just pray, and then try to do something that keeps you happy. You know, listen to music, keep you cool and calm and stuff like that. So. I mean, I had no job. I had no job though, but I'm doing this podcast just for you. All right, let's get to the episode. All right, today's episode. This is the ninth episode. I call this kinky business. All right, so we're at um, SVU season one, episode nine. I mean, it aired on November 29th, 1999. It's written by Michael Perry. It's directed by Constantine Macris. Now, some little that you know that Constantine Macris, so he directed the episodes of Law and Order. And during the show's early years, he was like the show's cinematographer on the original Law and Order before he went behind the head camera directing these episodes. So, um, all right, and um, and so that's Constantine Macris, and he'll continue to to direct SVU like several times and all that stuff. So, so he's like a Law and Order veteran and all that stuff. All right. Now let's get to the cold open, shall we? All right. This is um the cold open. This is best of the slaver are in this uh, ladies' apartment, right? They're investigating the death of a woman na- named Lila Briggs. She was found hung to death. So they found, investor Sabler found skin marks and all that stuff, though. 
and one of the police officers told them that um, it was, they thought it was suicide, but when he knows something different, they call him because those cops think that those cops, one of the cops think that she hasn't committed suicide. She probably was like murdered, killed by some, killed by someone. So night right now, um, the court in the call open the opening scene though. We're gonna get to the episode on about S and M. And Benson and Stabler, they entered the world of S and M. You know what that means? Bondage. So the white girl, Lila Briggs, though, she was found hung to death. It might be it might be possibly an autoerotic asphyxiation, something like that shit though. But I'm gonna tell you about this thing because it's bond S bondage day, you know, the SMNs though. I don't like that shit. I mean the the S and M and all that stuff. I think come on, man. I mean you trying to have like rough sex, try the burns on your bodies. I mean getting whipped with blood coming out. I mean that's just just kinky. I mean I mean I don't like doing that stuff though. I mean that's way too far. I mean come on though. And I see these um people with the leather ski mask and um. Leather pants and men wearing the little crossing on on the shirt though, which we call it. And then you got the females being a dorm dormatrix, being submissive, controlling, and all that shit though. I mean, I am not into that shit though. I mean, I gotta admit though, I like sex, right? But I wanna be with the I wanna be with one person though. I'm not freaking anything like that though. I just wanted to find someone to fall in love with though. And I gotta admit, though, I, I be falling in love sometimes with the wrong females. You know, sometimes they try to take advantage of you, or some. In other words, though, they just, other words, they just use me. They, they don't give a damn about me. But however, though, I mean, most I has a plan for me, though. So I'm, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm a sweet guy, and all that stuff. So. Sometimes these women, you know, they just want money out of you. I mean, they just like ratchets, hood rats, or whores. I mean, no offense, though. I like the woman. I like to be with the woman and all stuff. You know, I mean, have look for marriage and stuff like that. Nowadays, these women sometimes they be a little bit out of order sometimes, and men could be out of order too. Cause um, but it's like part of the curse. But I'm gonna tell you this: um, love is a blessing. You know. I mean, look at this. I mean, Solomon had like 700 wives and stuff like that, though. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be like Solomon and all this stuff. So, so um, that's a cold open. I mean, like I said, you know, what happened with Benson and Stable was in the apartment. They're in, they found a girl hung herself to death, probably by auto rock asphyxiation. So, after the opening credits, the win in the squad room and Benson shows his. Collie's his tattoo on his arm and all that stuff though. So it was like um so and then also that they were trying to do a background check on her their victim Lila. It turns out that she worked at Wall Street, right? So Best in the so save their goal, they talked to the Lila's mother or stuff like that though. And um 
her and her Lila's mother tells him that she was a bee, she wasn't depressed or anything like that. But she also told him that her father died when she was 15, and then she became depressed, depressed and whatever and that stuff though. So, um, meanwhile, you got Munch and Cassidy. They, they go talk to this girl named Amy, and it turns out that um, Lila worked at this company, co- company which is run by uh, Frank Martin. Right, so and they talk to the um, it's a co-worker, her co-worker Amy and stuff like that though, and it's just like and then she was um telling and then uh, Amy tells much Cassie that uh, she's a hard worker and blah 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 and all that stuff though, and um she had a boyfriend named who runs a place called Frank Martin and stuff like that though, but we'll get to him just about later though. Right, so um, now we go to um, the um, the morgue, right? And check who's there. Leslie Hendricks of the original Law and Order, though. I mean, she's examining the body and all that stuff, and it turns out that it the uh, it was the the her life death was not like not like not likely a suicide, but. They also told me that there, there was a robe in the bedroom that was has no marks on it and stuff like that, though. So, they, Benson Savior was wondering if her mother was there, was involved, maybe some, and something like that. So, they go back to speak to um, Lila's mother, and she said that she was in the apartment. She was in her apartment at the time of her death, and I mean, she was just trying to look around, clean up, and then she found her in the bedroom, hung herself to death. And then she had to clean up the scene, and then she and she put the robe on and stuff like that, though. Hmm. So okay, so um, that's the slave little. They go to see a forensic worker, and uh, they found out that there was like um, and then another partner was in the room. So they was so it turned out they thinking that um, she was killed by accident. Or something like that, not suicidal and stuff like that, though. But the wrestlers were discovers that one of the whips that um, her or the partner use has rattles. He opens it up to discover half a million dollars worth of diamonds hidden inside. Ooh, my goodness! And and not only that, they go back to Craigan's. They go back to the squad room. They tell Craigan that. Um, that there were somewhere else's fluids, and they found um, like half a million, half a million dollars in cash. They told Craigan so, so, so Craigan tried to tell the other cops to investigate. So, Martin Cassie go visit the SNMN shop where the, the employee loves Lila, and um, and then and then and yeah, she asked what happened to her, and then um, Cassie was like. She was dead. She was dressed up like a latex, latex turkey. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like um, she was devastated and she said that she used cold words and all that stuff. And then she had like a business partner, like uh, from maybe the. And, they, and then Munch asked, was it a blonde or brunette? And she told him it was a brunette, something like that, though. So they was just looking for redheaded and all that stuff. No, no, excuse me, not blonde and blue, red, redheaded, redheaded and brunette though. So Munch and Cassie were looking for a redheaded person, not brunette and stuff like that though. 
and towards the end of the scene, you know, I mean, Cassie was staring at the employee at the SMN shot. I mean, is he trying? Is he like he looked like he was interested in her and all this stuff? But then Munch pulls him away. <laughs> <laughs> and we go to the next scene where we go best in the slave to talk to this guy in the diamond district right he never seen Lila but he knows a guy working upstairs selling diamonds and stuff like that though and uh, he no 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 it turns out that he knows a guy working upstairs right and um, he um, doing business with Lila and all that stuff I mean um, his name is um Dave, uh, David, uh, something like that, though. And David, and then so Messi Saber go upstairs, talk to David, tell him that she came in for work and all that stuff. And then she um doing some investment with the diamonds or whatever, something like that. And then that he knows that she got the um, check from somebody. So turns out that check was signed by her supervisor, Shonlin Fu, who works for Frank Martin and something like that, though. So, um, and then on the way to see Shirley Fu, they found out that uh, Frank Martin was doing business with two women, something like that. So they speak to Shirley Fu in her office. She works with finance and all that stuff, though. And, um, she was talking about this Frank and all this stuff, and running this relationship. I don't know what it is, though. So, um, and then after that, Benson Saver speaks to Mr. Frank Martin, right? He, he got, you know, he owns this company and stuff like that. He told him that he started his company from his house, you know, some, some, some bad garage or something like that. It was his old ass computer. I mean, you in a room with the, the old ass computer anyway, about to crash, something like that though. Oh yeah, by the way, the, the actor who played Frank Martin, right? He appeared in, um, the original Law and Order. So... The dude right here telling me talking about um Lila and all that stuff, I mean is so so Frank Muslim Mr. Frank, Mr. Martin though, he um yeah, they were they were investigating about her murders or no no her suicide or accidental death though. And um he they mentioned something about the diamonds and then they he says that that they they did they dealt with, he dealt with the diamonds for this Y two K thing and something like that though, Y two K anxiety and some shit like that right, so um and um he his company he invested to a nonprofit charitable company and um and the charitable company is run by David Kelp right so um he and then. And then so best and slave, you know, they speak to David Kelp though, and um, he gave Frank a return or something like that though. So best and slave would go back to Frank's more office, and then they said that uh, Frank and Lila had like a business relationship and nothing that sexual and stuff like that though. So um, best and slave will find out that Lila and um, Mr. Kelp had like a financial scam going around here. So. Best and Saber confronted um, Mr. Kelp again with a folder or stuff like that, saying about the um, hedge funds and some scam and some, which I think which call it some million some embezzlement or something like that. And Mr. Saber told Mr. Kelp that they checked the bank and they never heard of him. 
However, though, I mean, David helped um try to let the cat out of the bag because it's because he he said David Mr. Kelp met Lila in a circuit right and the circuit means that they met at an underground bondage circuit though so it turns out that um Mr. Kelp was helping Lila and all that stuff so it, it, it because I mean and he and then Mr. Kelp shows him about the marks on his arm like at like dots and shit like that I mean it's like she treated him like a human ashtray and all that stuff I mean it turns out that um Lila and Mr. Kelp was engaging in some kinky kinky gays like S&M and all that shit you know cause this is a show about S&M bondage which I don't even like now so um even though he met um they met at the circuit and then um they they, they he tells them that you gotta go speak to this lady called Anna Faust. So best of the sailor meet Anna Faust on some roof of this building though. And um Anna tells them that um she was submissive but 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 then and then but then her partner her, her master was getting too rough with, with one of her girls. And they were both um, the um, and Lila and uh, Master. They were banned from the circuit, though, because what happened was you know Master violated rules, and it turned out to be Frank Martin. He's the one that assaulted one of the girls. So and then NFL says, if you if you catch him, give him the total punishment that he deserves. And Samuel is like, that's what we're here for. And Anna Faust says, good boy. <laughs> then she writes something in a book and such like that. So, act two, okay? In Crazy Goffins, though, he talks to a girl who Frank assaulted, though. She tells him that Frank wanted air games. And I'm going to tell you this, air games means high-risk sex. She refuses and he friended her with deportation back to Vietnam. It means he got to take her to immigration and all that stuff and send her back and all that stuff. So, however, though, she told Craigan that she gave in and he choked her, causing her to black out. And when she uh, awoke, he was gone. So, in the next scene, though, you know, the cops, though, they raided Mr. Tried to raid, they tried to raid Mr. Martin's office. And guess what? They discovered that he was gone and his documents were all shredded, though. Shut And he shut down his business. Damn. Um, damn, damn, damn. Damn. They was about to go get him and all this stuff. But guess what, though? He, he's, he, he's gone, though. So right now, Mr. Martin on the run, you know, he's wanted man. Jeffrey did a background check. And it turns out that, um... Um, the tenants, the Tennessee Bank of Commerce is after him too for the past couple of months for financial irregularities. So the next investment savers talk to Mr. S- Mr. Tucker at the hotel about Frank's financial irregularities and he'll talk to him personally if they find him. So the next scene is there's a cops get word that someone is picking up diamonds from David, you know, from David. Not, not, not the district help, but the other David, right? So Charlene Fool comes. Charlene Fool comes in the office, and she sees John Munch working undercover as a villain for the David, and he calls himself John DeMunch. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, I don't know, it's rarely see much going undercover and all that stuff, though. I mean, he ain't bringing out the phony French European accent and stuff like that. I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, you could do better than that, though. I mean, Munch, why don't you wear a beard or something like that, man? Why you want to come in as yourself, Munch? Detective Munch. Detective Munch. That's what Bolander called him on um, the pilot episode of Homicide Life on the Street. Detective Munch. Detective Munch. There's like Detective Munch. He's like, why do you call yourself Detective Munch? What is that? You like to eat pussy? Mmm. So. Much of Cassie brings Sholin food for questioning and all that stuff. So, and um, Munch is reading some books about saying lunch, David, meeting David, David, David. So, um, and so, however, though, as she, she, she heard enough, though, she don't want to testify and she don't want to talk and all that stuff. She tells him your toffee sucks. However, you know, the rest of the team, they found out that the book, the, the, the lady that Charlene Fung was seeing was David Kelp, who's actually her boyfriend. So, okay, so, um, however, though, they go, so they, they decided to bring, you know, best of the stable decided to bring Mr. David Kelp for questioning, you know, what's up. But Mr. Kelp, they, and, but Mr. Kelp is found dead with a gunshot in his head. When Best and Slavery came to arrest him, they go back to the squad room and uh, you know the interrogation told Shirley Fu the news, and then Shirley Fu breaks down saying that Frank did it, Frank Martin did it. She told him that she met Frank while she was dancing and all that stuff. So and she her new name was Angela, and Frank gave her the name Shirley Fu to be exotic and stuff like that. So she decided to give him Frank up. You know she tells him the whereabouts of Frank. So. Best of Saber come in, you know, basically and the rest of the cops, so they come in to arrest Frank, but they find Mr. Tucker eating dinner with a robe on. So Best of Saber bring him in the unit and they ask him where's Frank, but he doesn't know. Then Frank and, um, I mean, uh, Mr. Tucker tells them that Frank introduced him to a better life he never had. He couldn't leave town because of a hush money from um, Frank and all that stuff. And they mentioned the diamonds, and then and then Mr. Tucker was like, "Yeah." So um, Benson tells him that they have the diamonds with them. And he and then Mr. Tucker tells him that Lila was hanging out with Amy and stuff like that, though. But when they speak to Amy, she tells him that Frank beat her up while asking for money. I mean, you see, Amy, she came with the black eye and all that shit, though. I mean, Frank buffed her off and all this stuff because he was desperate looking for money. And she said that she don't have it, and he beats the shit out of her. That asshole, man. You you don't have no right to be up a woman like that. That's disrespectful. What kind of man are you, damn it, you idiot? Anyway. Anyway, um... Um, she, you know, Amy tells him that she found an unused airline ticket and Frank took it so he could skip town. However, Benson and Sailor caught Frank while trying to get away. So they bring him in in the squad room and they question Frank at the, at the squad room during lunch while trying to pop up his credit for and stuff like that. And Frank defends himself saying he asked for a lawyer. 
it's okay. Meanwhile, Munch tells Craig that AB was a go-to guy for Frank, who was like in control. And Amy tells um, that um, him and uh, Mr. Tucker were strangling girls for kicks. And oh, and and she also tells him that they do it to black girls too. And well, she said colored girls, but I'm telling you, these guys are racist as hell. I mean, they'll they check this out. And Frank and Mr. Tucker, though, they was like tying up girls on the trees while they were teens. And they couldn't get charged because they were minors. Oh my goodness. And are you, Miss Rank, Mr. Tucker, tie up farm girls while they were young, especially black girls? They guys are racist as hell, man. I mean, you going around hanging around there, calling them, tying the girls up, like torturing them, calling them niggas and stuff like that. Go to show you that these. Yeah, these two guys, oh, they were like southern racist assholes because, and Frank and Mr. Tucker, though, they both from Tennessee, so that shit, that is crazy, though, and stuff like that, though. Now, and uh, she gives him the paper stating that Frank called Tucker in the evening. Oh, oh my goodness, uh, Frank is busted. His own ladies turned him in. So Frank tells the cops that Tucker went too far like torture and stuff like that so it turns out that frank was giving tucker up so munch and cat munch and cassie confront mr tucker and they ask him what was that about and mr tucker was like it was nothing and then all of a sudden you know cassie throws his chair in the wall he wouldn't even let mr tucker sit i mean yeah cassie was pissed too right so um you know, and Howard Jeffries is watching from outside, and then she comes in and confronts Frank to see the real redneck, though. And she tells her name, I'm Detective Monique Jeffries. You, and I don't like you racist bastards. So, however, though, they, much and Cassie tells him that they're being, he's being Mirandized, and, um, Cassidy tells. Mr. Tucker, that him and Frank are gonna hang. And then as that end of the episode. So, would you like the episode so far, right? Uh, I'm gonna tell you all the plot twists from the past eight episodes, right? Before I go sign out, okay? So, in the first episode of SVU, Benson and Sable investigate the um, murder and castration of a cabbie. But when he found out that they discovered that he was raping dozens of women in his native country a few years ago. And two of his victims killed him. So he got like a victim turned suspect and all that stuff. So that's like, like twist and all that stuff. And the second episode, they Benson and Sable investigate the death of a young lady who was thrown out the window. And the suspects, it turned out to be the shrink and anchorman, anchorman. And then all of a sudden, the investigation leads him to her father who abused her years ago. But in the end, it turns out that she committed suicide, not really pushed from the window or murder. Now, the third episode, they investigate uh, the assault and um, you know, sexual assault and beating of a young teen model. And um, that's pretty... At first, though, they suspected it as like a doctor and all that stuff, and um, and um, 
and then the head of the Maoni agency, like Baby Newworth, was head of the Maoni agency. But it turns out it was that's a it was um her photographer, and it turns out that her photographer was forcibly, you know, having sex with with forced her to have sex with him, and then what happened? His girlfriend, his now ex girlfriend, just just beat her ass and all that stuff, like well being high on some drug or something like that. And the fourth episode, I think it was hysteria. And the police investigate the murder of the prostitute, which turns out she wasn't. That she grew up in a fluent family and all that stuff. And they first suspect a cop was doing it, but it turns out that it, it was the guy she met at a club. It being first time repulsive and all that stuff. I mean, so. And the fifth episode, Wanderlust, right? We see um, the police investigate the death of a tenant who, who rented a room. And um, at first, though, they, they, the suspect was like a, a registered sex offender who was dating the landlady at the time. But it turns out that the, the landlady's daughter was having a sexual relationship with him. And then he killed him because he broke her heart. In the sixth episode, um, I think it was um, Sophomore Jinx. You know, the, the, the cops suspect that the two college basketball players were responsible for the girl's death. And it turns out that uh, she accidentally fell and hit her head. And then they heard the professor was lusting after her and he had sex with her. He had sex with a dead body. That is nasty. And um, the episode that was um, so I think it was um, I think it was uncivilized. The cops suspect it was a registered sex offender who murdered an eight-year-old kid, but it turns out it was the witnesses who framed him for the murder to cover up their own secrets. And the eighth episode, I think it was like um, stalked. And um, it goes to show you that realtor was responsible for rape being and murdering the ADA and messing new about it. And then next thing you know, she became a, she was becoming a target from the perp. And the ninth episode, you know, it's we investigated the re investigated suicide of, of a Wall Street lady, and it turns out that that um, two r- racist regnecks were responsible for killing her. And all that stuff because of the um, jewels and um, all that stuff. I mean, so that was like a recap and all that stuff. So hopefully now, it's tomorrow next week though we're gonna give you the tenth episode of SVU, and um, this is gonna be a good one. You know what I'm saying? So I already gave you the recap of the past eight nine episodes, and the twist will keep coming though. Alright, so and by the way, there was a that was the last um you know the the ninth episode Stocks and Bondage, so that was the last episode for nineteen ninety nine. It was and it was also the last one that was aired on the Mondays. So the next episode they're, they're gonna before that they're gonna move the show on Fridays where Homicide Life on the Street used to be. So and the two thousand is gonna start, so you know, SVU is going to end 1999 on a high note, like the J- Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony, uh, Macy Gray, and um, Black Rob. Oh, yeah, by the way, um, I want to send my condolences to Black Rob, who passed away over the weekend. 
I mean, before that, DMX passed away, so I'm gonna give it a shout out. And um, Britney, I'm gonna give a shout out to Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and uh, NSYNC, and um, I think it was Puff Daddy. Um, no, he not called he not called P Diddy, so whatever. I ain't, I'm gonna say that name. And Jay Z, and um, Destiny's Child, and um. All the other rappers like Cameron, Lord Three, Peter Guns, and DMX. I mean, he passed away, so I'm not gonna get to it again. So, hopefully, I mean, the '90s was a nice time. You know, I mean, we everyone was relieved about the Y2K anxiety. So, I mean, I mean, uh, a ninth episode SVU is probably the last one in the 20th century. So, we're gonna go get to the to, 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 to 2000s. And we're going to go from there. Hopefully, you know, man, no, Icy was not there in the episode, nor BD Wong or Cabot. So I'll be back next week for another episode. So this is Echo FM and this is BD Rose. I'm out. Good night. <laughs>